Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse 16. Strange little account. And Jesus asked them, what are you arguing about? Verse 17. Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you for a spirit has made him mute. For whenever he seizes, whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. So Jesus has been separated from the rest of his disciples for a little bit with James, Peter, James and John. And he comes back and he sees this commotion going on. He's like, what's going on? What are y'all arguing about? Oh, this guy has a desperate need. And his disciples tried to meet it and they couldn't. Verse 19. And Jesus answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I going to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, to Jesus. And when the spirit saw him immediately, it convulsed the boy and he fell down on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long? And and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been? I'm sorry, the the father of the boy who's, who's um, having this um, torment from this evil spirit. How long has it been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd had that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, so they've moved on, kind of an action, after action conversation here. His disciples said to him privately, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer because you invite us to Um, not even because we understand it completely. God, I know that somehow your power is is accessed when we seek you specifically in a focused way in prayer. And so we do so now and ask that you would teach us. Through Christ we pray. Amen. There is so much here in this story. 
Previously, Peter, James, and John had been with Jesus up to what's often called the Mount of Transfiguration. That's not what the mountain was actually called, but what happened on the mountain was that Jesus was transfigured, Moses and Elijah show up. It's this an amazing experience. It's just an amazing, literally, mountaintop a, a, a moment for Peter, James, and John. After that, they come down the mountain. It's been some bit of a journey. And, um, and they find it that down here this squabbling match going on. And Jesus is like, what's the problem? What's the commotion? And it's interesting the disciples don't go to Jesus and say, uh, we messed up. It's the father goes to Jesus. He says, my son has this, has this problem. By the way, just as an aside, notice that Jesus treats this problem as an evil spirit, as a demonic possession. Um, there are some times in the Bible when Jesus heals people because it's a physical problem that needs physical attention and healing. There are other times that it's a spirit, there is a spirit, an evil spirit that causes physical manifestations, but Jesus doesn't heal that as though it's an evil spirit. He heals, I'm sorry, he, he doesn't heal it as though it's just a physical problem. He heals it as though he heals it as an evil spirit. That is to say, not all sickness is the result of evil spirits, okay? So if you get a sniffle, don't say, I've got an evil spirit, right? That's the whole chew thing, bless you, because you got rid of an evil spirit. Because you have a cold doesn't mean you have an evil spirit. But spirits do possess. And there are times in the New Testament we see that Jesus exercises an evil spirit. And so that's what happens in this place. But but what's interesting about this, this uh, event is... The disciples are unable to help this man. This man is desperate. His son, the spirit has been trying to kill his son repeatedly from childhood. The man is desperate. And you can sense the disciples are probably desperate too. They want to help, but they're not able to. Now, again, part of what's interesting about this is that previously they haven't been able to. You know, there are times when they, there was a time they came to Jesus and, and one of the things that are most excited about was they came back and they said, Jesus, you know, uh, spirits, evil spirits obeyed in your name kind of thing. And, and, and they were just so excited that they were able to have power over the evil spirits. But this time they failed. And I think you can tell by their silence in the conversation, they're probably feeling some shame. Um, and so Jesus takes it on um, challenges him. Oh, wicked generation. That's kind of interesting. Um, if Jesus, Jesus challenges the disciples, is disappointed in his disciples, not because he wants to shame them, but because he knows they're capable of so much more. When Jesus challenges his disciples here, it's not because of, it's not merely out of personal anger. I don't think it's that at all. I think it's because he, he wants them to have, to be living at full capacity of the power of God at work in their lives. And he's frustrated not at them, but with them. Um, it's because he believes in them that he gives this challenge. If he didn't believe them, if he didn't believe them, if he thought they were just not teachable or not capable, then, you know, I'm sure he would have just... Um, let it go. What I want to draw out in this story, though, is verse 28. They get into this private house and they ask Jesus, 
why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said, this kind can't come out but by prayer. Now, next time, I want to think a little bit together about about what it means by this kind only comes out through prayer. But just for our time together today, I want for us to think about the desperation of the disciples. This question, why could we not cast it out? You know, it's very easy to see parallels in our day to this event in Jesus' day. See, the boy that is brought to the disciples is very much like our lost generation. Our lost generation is has thrown away truth and is controlled by evil. Um, I am even hearing non-Christian people talk more and more about the chaos of the world that we're living in today. Our world is, we're living in chaotic times with increased anger and increased hostilities amongst um, uh, ethnic, uh, ethnic diverse, uh, ethnically diverse groups. Um, we're seeing um, increased crime rates and theft and, um, and, and it just, the world is, is like out of, out of uh, increasingly out of control. Like the boy sent to these disciples, so God has sent this generation to us, his disciples. And I think much like the disciples in Jesus' day, many of us are feeling frustrated. Why can't we? Jesus, we know you can make a difference. Why can't we? What I like about this that I want for us to focus on today devotionally is their sense of godly desperation. We need to become a generation of people who are asking the question, who are going to Jesus and saying, why can't we? In our situation, I wonder, I wonder, and Jesus' answer, of course, is these things come only out by, come out only by prayer. Um, old translations used to say by prayer and fasting because there's Jesus saying more there's there's something I, I guess in the in the context here that he's implying it's more than just these things only come out when you pray well they've been praying but there's an intensity to the prayer prayer and fasting there is a an attitude toward it there's a sense of desperation there's a there, there these come only out through much prayer or in much intense prayer or much sincere intense prayer something like that um and, 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 and I, I wonder what it's going to take for you and me to get that sense of desperation about our generation. The sense of desperation that Jesus had when he looked at Jerusalem and he wept over Jerusalem because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Desperation. Godly desperation. I remember, um, I don't know, it's been a long time, but... My kids, my kids are, my kids have been great kids and they've never really given us much um, challenge. But the, um, there was one time, there were several times when, when my kids were younger 
and there was something going on with my boys. And, and, and a friend of mine, a good godly man, mentor of mine said, Brett, I wonder what I would do. I wonder what your kids would have to do to get the attention of a busy dad. And his point was, Brett, could part of what's going on be that they're just trying to get the attention of a busy dad? And I wonder sometimes how bad the world has to get, how bad God has to let the world get before, before Christians get focused, feel desperate. How de bad does God have to let the world get to get our attention so that we pray like we've never prayed before. I hear a lot of people talk about revival. A lot of people in the Christian world talk about revival. We need revival. Okay, but revivals begin with desperation. Revivals begin when there are lots of people who are desperate for the world to change, for lives to change, who are desperate. You know what happens in revivals? People don't have to be begged to come to church. God's people are there coming together all the time because they are desperate for God. You know, we live in, in, in a world right now where, you know, Christians, it's like pulling teeth sometimes together. Oh, I got to go to a small group too. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not wanting to put, uh, give any false, um, my, my point is not to give false guilt. My point is to say when people, when God's people get desperate, they want to be together. That's what has happened in past revivals. When God's people get desperate, they want to pray and fast. When God's people get desperate, you see that desperation as you see with these disciples. Why can't we? And that's the question that we need to ask, I think, in our generation. We live in a world increasingly chaotic. And I wonder, again, you know, I, I wonder, divorce rate started to go nuts back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Did that get the church's attention to get desperate? Not really. Okay, what about drugs and alcohol taking over the world? No. Okay, homosexuality. Let's make homosexuality a norm and disagreeing with it, the, um, you know, the, the evil. Will that get the church's attention to say like, okay, oh God, we are desperate for you. Why can't we affect? No, you know what's happened with a lot of churches? A lot of churches are kind of like, well, we just need to be open and accepting. We just can't be judgmental. It's kind of like people are, evil destroys people's lives. And rather than falling on our knees and saying, God, why can't we make a difference? We're seeing people who we're just kind of like, well, you know, maybe we should just adjust to the times. Now it's transgenderism. You know, 12-year-olds, if you're a if you're a nine-year-old and and you know, and you're a feel like you're a boy trapped in a girl's body, or we don't need to, we shouldn't force our children to identify who, who they are until they identify themselves sometime, you know, when they're four years old. Okay, is that going to be enough to get Christians' attention to say this world is lost? And God, you're the light of the Jesus, you're the light of the world. You're salvation. You are the way, the truth, and the life. 
Is that going to be enough to make us desperate? Here's the point. There is a healthy, godly desperation. When these disciples see this boy who's, who's possessed by an evil spirit, and the evil spirit is doing the best that it can to destroy him, and the place to begin, of course, is to bring people to Jesus. But as his disciples, we have to begin with this healthy sense of desperation. We have to say, God, Jesus, why can't we? And then take the steps forward that Jesus gives us. Next time, we're going to talk a little bit more about why can't we. Um, but until then, my prayer is that God will infect you and me with that kind of healthy desperation that we will see a world around us being beaten up. And we'll say, Lord, why not us? Why not now? And we will pray. It will be intense. It will be his people. And we'll rise up in this generation for the glory of God. Not to make some nation great again. Not so that the world will be more comfortable for us. Not so that gas prices will come down and people will agree with us morally. But because Jesus Christ is Lord of all and people without him are going to hell. Because God has made everybody and we are, and nobody is at peace until they're at peace with him. And so we look at a world that is writhing in pain and suffering and chaos and we say, Lord, why can't we? Heavenly Father, make us your generation. Um, may our hearts melt as your heart melts. May our hearts burn as your heart burns. Help us to love you and to love people. Help us to hate sin and nothing else. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Hope to see you soon.